in anything we do, we can make things harder on ourselves than it needs to be. And songwriting is really no different. We can find so many different ways to make songwriting harder on ourselves than it needs to be. So in this episode, we are going to be talking about five different ways that we can make songwriting harder for ourselves. Let's talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joseph Vidala. Pleased to be talking with you today. Honored that you are willing to take some time out of your day to talk about songwriting and specifically as well to talk songwriting with me. It is certainly not something that I take for granted that you're willing to spend half an hour, 45 minutes with me. And I appreciate that because, hey, we need more people that are dedicated to the craft of songwriting that don't just want to pump out garbage songs but actually care about the quality of their songs. And just the fact that you're listening to this podcast means that you're interested in that. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be here, would you? So I appreciate that. That pumps me up. I hope that pumps you up that uh, hopefully just the fact that I have this podcast and you can be like, oh, somebody else like cares about I don't know, lyrics that actually mean something and the the craft of songwriting rather than just like, hey, throw three chords out there and call it a song. Uh, so hopefully you are also uh, excited that there are, are people like that out in the world, but I sure as heck am. So thank you for being here today. We're talking about how we can make songwriting harder on ourselves. One of the ways is with lyrics, and this is going to come up uh, probably more than once in this episode, but be sure to, if you haven't already, check out my free guide. It's my six-step lyric writing checklist, the six steps I go through when writing lyrics. I think part of how we make songwriting harder on ourselves is lyrics. Specifically, lyric writing tends to be a pain point for songwriters. I think the six-step guide really helps eliminate a lot of it. It will still take time to write lyrics. I don't want to lie to you about that. I think in order to write a good lyric, you have to be willing to put some time into it. Uh, but this process will certainly make the pain less and will uh, make it more consistent that your end product is something you can be proud of. But that's the songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist. Talk a little bit more about that at the end. But there it is. Go check it out if you haven't already. But today, in this episode, we're talking about some other more specific ways that we can make songwriting harder. And one of those ways is that we wait for inspiration. And I've talked about this before, but I really think the analogy to make sure we all have in our heads when thinking about inspiration or the muse, however you want to look on at it, is inspiration is gas on the fire, not the fire itself. Because I think a lot of people see inspiration as the fire, right? It's the, it's the necessary thing that we need, which is redundant, but this <laughs> is the necessary thing, right? And I don't think that's true at all. In fact, inspiration is is not something that we can control, right? Because you can do everything right and still not be inspired. And you also can get the gift of inspiration when doing no work to earn it. Uh, you know, sometimes a, a random idea hits our heads and we weren't even brainstorming. We weren't even doing any of the grunt work to like find ideas and they just 
come over us. And like feelings or motivation, inspiration is ultimately fleeting and not something to be relied upon. It's more like love or what we want really is, is like love or discipline, right? So rather than just feelings, love. Rather than motivation, discipline. Because what is discipline compared to motivation? Really, motivation is like a feeling, right? Motivation is when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, dude, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to record three podcasts today. I know exactly what I'm going to talk about. I'm so motivated, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write 30 songs and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's really a, a feeling. Discipline is even on a day where I'm tired, I just want to watch the last episode of whatever show I'm watching I just don't necessarily feel like doing any work. Maybe it's Sunday night and I'm like, I just, I just, I just want to relax. But yet I say, no, I have a podcast to record. I'm going to do it. Right. I have, I've, I have some project that I need to work on. I'm going to do it. That's what discipline is. And that's really what we need in our songwriting. We, we don't need to rely on inspiration and we shouldn't rely on inspiration and we certainly shouldn't wait for inspiration because again it's gas on the fire that's already there not the entire fire so what we really need to be concentrating on is maintaining the fire how do you maintain a fire you keep putting sticks on it right or bigger logs if it's a bigger fire we add fuel to it right and and what is that it's just work right it's going out and getting the branches finding the right branch putting it on and that's really what the work of songwriting is, right? It's, it's, it's me making sure that a week doesn't go by, that I'm not working on some element of the songwriting process. I'm not worried about whether I'm inspired or not. That's irrelevant. I still need to put the work in. And when I'm blessed with inspiration, great. It's a beautiful gift that can be encouraged by the work that I'm putting in which is, I think, the other side of this that people often don't think about. Usually, well, it is true that the muse can, can drop by uninvited, and you're like, wow, I, you know, I, was, I, was, I was thinking about what, what show to watch next, and I just happened upon this brilliant songwriting idea, right? I didn't earn it at all. That happens. And sometimes you put in a lot of work, and the muse just won't come, and you don't know why. That's, those things are both absolutely true. They'll happen to you at some point. One of those, of course, being much more exciting than the other. The other one is really quite the downer. Um, they'll both happen. And that's unavoidable. I guess technically it's avoidable, but probably not. It will probably happen. And that's okay. But that is not to say that we don't raise the probability of being inspired just by putting the work in. Right? So if we, if we just go and keep getting those branches and keep putting them on the fire, just keep, keep doing the work. Eventually, you're going to find inspiration. And often I find that a lot of times you'd be really surprised maybe how quickly some form of inspiration can come to you, even though you were totally not interested in doing any songwriting at all, if you just commit to sitting down and doing the work. The amount of times I'm like, oh, I just, I, I don't want to do anything. I just want to relax laying in bed and watching a TV show at 1230 at night sounds good to me rather than working at 1230 at night. Uh, but then I go over to the keyboard or the piano or the guitar more rarely, but the guitar 
and start playing around. And soon it's 1.30 in the morning. And instead it's like, wow, this is great. I got a few really cool ideas that I wasn't expecting. I ended up having fun. And now my real problem is the fact that I have to get up for work in the morning, <laughs> um, which is a fine problem to have, right? Uh, certainly better than not having inspiration. So don't wait for inspiration. Continue to put the work in. And you know what? Inspiration is probably going to visit you more often. It's probably going to come more often if you continue to put in the work. Think about putting in the work of songwriting as putting logs on that fire. That's maintaining the fire. You always keep that fire going. Once in a while, somebody's going to gift you with some gasoline to really blow up that fire. Great. But you can't rely on that. Gasoline alone is not going to keep a fire going. It's just something that can sort of add to it. Um, it's a better way to look at inspiration, I think. Certainly don't wait for inspiration. Second way that we make songwriting harder. We put way too much pressure on ideas. Longtime listeners are going to be like, yep, heard this before. Actually, you probably heard both of these before, but ideas are cheap. I'm going to say it again because it needs to be said. Ideas are cheap. I don't care what type of idea we're talking about, whether it's that one friend of yours that always thinks they have their next million dollar idea or whether it's your newest songwriting idea, ideas are cheap. And I have, I think, a whole episode on that, so we're not going to dive super deep into all the different ways that the statement ideas are cheap is true. But I think it's important to think of ideas as cheap because it alleviates the pressure that there is on ideas. Because a lot of times I think people trap themselves where we're sitting in front of a blank page and then we demand from ourselves a great song idea for ourselves to develop into a song right then and there from a blank page and no idea. And to me, we've already failed ourselves at that point uh, because one of two things is probably going to happen most of the time. Either one, you have the day of the blank page, right, where you just st keep staring at a blank page because you're trying to think of an idea to develop into a song and it's too much pressure, right? You're trying to come up with an idea and start writing a song all at the same time. You're also uh, valuing the idea very highly because you're saying that I'm going to commit this day, whether it's two hours of songwriting or 15 minutes, whatever it is, you're sort of putting this pressure on it of like, I'm going to start developing it into a song. Or the alternative, sometimes we just write something we don't like because we feel the pressure to write a piece of a song, come up with a good idea, and we end up committing to writing this idea, even though it might be a garbage idea. Because we've put this implicit pressure on the idea by being like, this is my song for the day. I got to come up with an idea and I got to start writing it. Which is why I'm, I'm a big proponent of having an idea document. You just have a document with an ever-growing list of ideas that you can pull from. And you can always add yet another idea to the idea sheet, or you can pull one of the many idea options that you have on it to actually work on developing the song. Now, this is not to say that you can't come up with a song idea and instantly start writing it. Of course you can do that, especially if you have been gifted with a idea that is just that you think is fantastic and right away you're inspired to write a whole song about it. Great. Ride that wave. But a lot of times... People overvalue the idea of, well, an idea. 
And there are lots of song ideas that you may come up with that do seem like a good idea, but by the next day already are like, really? Ugh. And purposefully devaluing ideas by keeping track of a whole bunch of them and having a, a ever-growing list of ideas is a good thing because if you think about it, if, if you have a hundred ideas, then which ones are you going to develop? Probably the 10 best ideas out of a hundred. And the 10 best ideas out of a hundred are almost definitely going to be better than your next 10 ideas. And if we put the pressure of like, I'm going to start writing a song with this new idea that I'm going to come up with right now. The probability that that idea is going to be good or better than, say, whatever one of your top five or ten ideas are that you've accumulated on an idea sheet that has 100 or 200 ideas on it? No, of course not, right? Like, by, by nature of how numbers work. If you just think of it like, you know, to get 100 ideas, you had to have 100 sequential ideas, Right. So so it is obviously the case that it, almost every time the top 10 of the 100 ideas in a row that you had are going to beat out your next 10 ideas. Right. Because then you have to be 10 for 10 being better than 10 out of 100. So that's probably not going to happen. So don't put pressure on ideas. Ideas are cheap. Treat them that way. Have an idea sheet. Just throw all your ideas on there. Don't be super picky about what ideas to have. and Just throw them on there. You have an idea? Throw it on there. No pressure, right? And then a week from now, if you still think it's a great idea, in fact, if you think it's the best idea on your idea sheet, or maybe it's not the best idea on your idea sheet, but it's something that you think you're capable of developing into something awesome, great. Pick it up. Go with it. But don't put too much pressure on ideas. Again, I have a whole episode about that. We could go on and on just about ideas and uh, uh, just talking about uh, the fact that a great idea does not a great song make, right? There are many great company ideas that didn't work. The idea of MySpace was great, and yet where is it today, right? The idea of Yahoo and the search engine uh, was great, which I don't know if they were exactly the first search engine, but people do forget. I'm pretty sure Yahoo was, was the it, search engine before Google was. I don't remember if it technically was first, but it certainly was the 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 popular one way way back in the day before Google took over. So um and those are those are not perfect examples, but like there's there's tons of people, right? Your your friend that has all those million dollar business ideas, you know what? Maybe several of them are million dollar ideas. But if you don't actually execute the business, actually do it and do it well, it doesn't matter how good the idea was. Ideas are cheap. Ideas don't mean much. They're a good starting place. If you have good ideas, that's a good thing. But ultimately, it's better to have good execution than it is to have good ideas. Number three, we stubbornly try to edit ourselves out of something bad rather than just killing our, our, I can English, killing our darlings. Killing your darlings is, is, is mostly a novel writing concept, but... It's really the idea of sometimes authors fall in love with characters because the character is so good or so cool or whatever it is that they won't kill off the character in their book or don't want to because they just like them so much. So they don't want to kill them off, even if it's right for the story. So there's this concept of, of being okay with killing your darlings. 
And for songwriting, it's maybe not exactly the same idea, but another way to look at it is sort of the sunk cost fallacy of songwriting. If you don't know what sunk cost is, right, it's the idea of, you know, maybe you've you've gambled away five hundred dollars and and in a single game of, I don't know, poker or something. And you're like, well, I've come this far. I might as well just keep betting the farm, right? Like, no, no, no. If you have a losing hand it, and you lost $500, just call it a day. Don't make it $1,000 that you lost, right? Like, don't, don't, don't do that. Um, so, so get out before it gets even worse. Don't assume that it's going to turn around. So in the same way, just because we put time into something in our song doesn't mean it's worth doubling down on. And continuing to spend time on it. So uh, there's several different ways this can look. One is you may have a part of your song that's great. Maybe you have a, a great chorus. And then you have verses that just aren't good. And you just keep trying to like like force yourself to like them. Or you do miniature rewrites, you know, to try to rework the lyrics, make little adjustments. And if you're really honest with yourself, it still sucks. It's just it's just not very good. But a lot of times we mentally, you know, we wrote it as a part of the song with the chorus. So we don't even entertain entertain the idea of literally completely killing those verses and totally rewriting verses for this song. But that is a thing that we absolutely can do. And oftentimes I think should do. Sometimes we can't edit ourselves out of something that's not very good. So sometimes a song is better off having either a part of it or all of it just being killed off in favor of writing something new rather than trying to edit something bad into something good. Now, this is something that you want some pause in just because you don't want to go too far with this. Um, you've, If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you've heard me say, Writing is editing, with the basic idea being that the vast majority of the final quality of a written work, whether that be a novel or a poem or a song, including the music part of a song, uh, but especially the lyric side of a song, the vast majority of what determines whether it is good writing is in the editing process, not in the original writing process. So we don't want to too quickly give up on a song just because our first draft wasn't very good, right? But that being said, if a part really is not working or doesn't seem quite right, do not be afraid to kill it off and just start over. Now, when I say kill it off, don't delete what you've done. Never delete. As, just, just as a general principle, never delete ba basically anything. My idea sheet, the only time I remove something from my idea sheet or my idea document is if I have now written a song off of that idea. That's it. Otherwise, it stays. That is, the list only grows. It doesn't get smaller. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that. Uh, you know, if it gets too unwieldy that it takes you like five hours to read because it's a 200-page document, okay. Now, we should at least separate like you know, maybe have a different document for just what we consider trash ideas that like once a year you look through those or something. But generally speaking, be slow to delete, meaning have no way to recover it. So whether it's a recording of a song idea or lyrics or something like that, don't delete, delete, 
but don't don't be afraid to quickly totally remove them from your song and try something different. Uh, there's there was one or two songs that I had mostly written early college, late high school that I'm like, man, these these are pretty good. But there was just a part of them that just didn't work. It was basically always the verse. Uh, I, th- I think for both of them, it, it was it was a verse. I just couldn't get working. Um, and I kept trying to like brute force it. Just like force myself to like the verse or just do minor reworkings of the story that the verses were trying to tell. And it wasn't until years later when I revisited the songs because I, n- I never recorded and put them out there because I, I knew, I knew like, man, the, the chorus is great, but the, the rest is just not, it's just not, it's just not very good. Um, so I revisited it way years later. One of them probably uh, four, five, um, five, six years later, and the other one almost almost ten years later, um, and decided, hey, wh- why do I have this like loyalty to the song section that sucks, <laughs> right? Why don't I just keep the chorus that I think is great and just come up with totally new verses, new music, new melody, new lyrics, new everything. And all of a sudden, the song came together fairly quickly and was much, much, much better. Both of them became much better than they were before. And one of them told a totally different story than what I had originally intended. In fact, the original story was a jumbled mess of – it wasn't really even a story. It's just a bunch of generic crap that's been said before. And by by time I actually reworked it, 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 it turned into – uh, a very specific story that 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 really was me imagining what I would say to my wife on our wedding day. Um, I, I think technically I finished it after we were married, but regardless, <laughs> I started reworking it before getting married. I didn't finish it in time. It was supposed to be a first dance long story. Doesn't matter. I'm not going to bore you with that. But um, main idea here: don't be afraid to kill off a part. Don't totally delete it, right? But 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 don't be afraid to say I, this bridge is just not working. This chorus is just not working. Whatever it is, this intro, this instrument part, this second verse lyric, the story that I'm telling in the verses and the bridge, whatever part of your song just isn't working, don't be afraid to be like, you know what? I'm not going to get rid of this totally, but I'm going to totally try rewriting it from the ground up and see if that works better. Oftentimes it will. Don't be afraid to do that. Be willing to kill off your darlings. Don't try to stubbornly keep editing yourself out of something that is that you know deep down is, is bad. Just because we write bad things, um, and when I say bad, I don't mean inappropriate bad, but like just because some of our writing sucks doesn't mean we are bad writers, right? A part of being a good writer is just embracing the suck, right? The, every first draft sucks. Um, and you know, some stuff that we write just isn't going to be very good. The best we can do is try to not release that stuff and make it so nobody ever sees it. Number four, we jump right into writing something specific rather than taking the time to develop. Sometimes jumping right into something is a great way to fail. If you just started building a house without actually planning first, it would collapse into rubble before we got to even, I don't know, day three. 
So don't undervalue spending even just an hour on doing some background work. I think this is where we as songwriters specifically fall very short and, and something that can be really learned from other artists. Again, if you've followed me, whether on the YouTube channel or here, um, for any length of time, you have probably heard me talk about how I think we're missing out on a lot of really helpful information or helpful tips if we don't consider and think about how other artists think through their craft. Because just like the NFL could learn from Major League Baseball, the whole analytics thing that they got from the whole Moneyball thing, the Oakland A's, uh, and the NFL took that, and now they utilize that same idea. Totally different sport, right? One's baseball and one is football. Totally different sport. Baseball, you couldn't pay me to watch. Football, I love way too much. Something else you know if you listen to this podcast forever. Also, the Broncos got Russell Wilson. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm a huge Denver Broncos fan. Anyway, half of you are probably like, dude, I don't even – I'm not even – I have no idea what you're talking about. Or you just don't care, and that's okay. Not the point. <laughs> the, the point here is – Something that, in a similar way, that football, you know, to totally different sport, but they could learn about the value of analytics from baseball. And in the same way, we as songwriters can learn from other artists. I think something that we need to learn from authors is authors are pros, usually, at background work, right? They will flesh out their characters. They'll do whole storylines beforehand, figure out ways to put in foreshadowing. Some of them do like whole questionnaire things where they like answer what, you know, the main villain, what would his favorite ice cream be, <laughs> right? Or the, the hero, if if they picks their favorite song, what would it be? And that may sound silly to you and I, but it's a way to like flesh out the character and make if them feel real to the author so that they feel like a real character when they, when they write the book. And I think we're too far on the opposite end of the spectrum. We tend to do none of that. Um, and I think just doing like an hour's worth of it can make a huge difference. And there's two specific documents that I do that each kind of contain some different information. One is the brainstorm one. I put images in here. So I'm a big fan of like, you know, whatever the song is about, I Google image search for art that is either about a similar thing as the song or conveys a similar emotion. So I try to find some images and put them into a document, like a, a, a Google Doc, so that whenever I'm working on the song, I can literally look at these images and it will hopefully conjure up that emotion again that I, I want the song to have. So it's easier for me to write the music and the lyrics when I see these images that give me that emotion, right? I also do some prose writing. I literally will just like improvise just talking with the keyboard <laughs> in basic prose, right? Pro prose is just basic writing, right? Not trying to be lyrical, not trying to be poetic, nothing like that. Just writing. Almost like journaling from the perspective of a character in the song half the time. 
That's all. That's basically what it is. And sometimes that character is me. Often that character is me. Um, and sometimes that character is an imaginary future me or somebody that I know or whatever it is. And I just do some prose writing and throw in some random other thoughts. Sometimes I put in some possible lines or lyrics that I think are kind of interesting. Sometimes I even take the time to develop a storyline for the song where I figure out like, okay, the first verse is going to accomplish setting up the story in this way. The second verse has this little, you know, plot twist idea. And, you know, maybe the first verse was in present tense and then the second verse was in past tense. I'm, I'm going backwards to like be like, you know, first I say, hey, here's how it is. And then the second verse goes back and, and visits why, how it is we got here. Right. So you sort of have a original trilogy followed by the prequels. You know, how, to, how did how did this Vader guy? What's up with this Vader guy? I've, I feel like I haven't referenced Star Wars in a while. Figure I'd throw one in there. So that's one thing to do. Uh, you don't have to do those specific things. Right. But that's just personally what I do. I think it's super helpful uh, because then when it comes time to write lyrics, I'm not going off of nothing. I'm not going off of ideas. I already have some prose writing, which is almost like a journal from the character's perspective. I have images to look at. And sometimes those images that are art literally give me imagery, right? Because maybe I found a piece of art, a cool painting that conjures the same emotion as the song I'm I'm writing, but it's not an image of the thing, right? So let's take heartbreak for example we'll keep it really basic i can find a picture that isn't a picture that depicts heartbreak but it depicts an emotion that to me resonates and is similar to the feeling that you get when heartbroken right and maybe that will literally contain images that you can then use in your song but even if not there's another way to sort of do this background development before diving into writing as well, which is with what I call a related words document. And usually this is based on what you came up with in the, in the brainstorm document, but really the purpose of this is to find a bunch of words that are similar in feel and write them down to possibly use. And you can literally go to relatedwords.org. There's a super helpful website. So let's say your song uses generally beach imagery, right? Takes place on a beach. So ocean-centric, specifically an ocean beach. I, I realize I say beach, and I whenever I say beach, I imagine the, the ocean, but I'm also from New England originally, so of course I imagine the ocean, but I should realize as somebody who lives in Ohio currently that, that beach automatically equating to ocean in people's minds is not true. So anyway, point being that if you're using a certain type of imagery, Finding other words that evoke similar imagery to use in your song can be really helpful because then it really gives more strength to those images, right? So take, for example, if a part of your song was going to talk about sidewalk or walkway, but if you took the time to find related words to, say, beach or ocean, you might have come across the word boardwalk and wrote that in your related words document. For what it's worth, I use uh, Google Sheets, which is basically Excel for this, where I put at the top all the different main words that I want to have, whether some of them will be feelings, right? They might even be really generic, like, you know, sadness. 
and then other will be ocean and other will be eyes or something if I want to talk about her eyes or whatever it is. Um, and then I look up related words and write them all down, down the column. And so, so anyway, if we're going to use the word sidewalk or walkway, if it's a song that is meant to take place on a beach by the ocean and meant to convey that image, if we set that image early in the story, usually it carries throughout the song, but a way to strengthen that image and really make it feel real. Sidewalks can and often are at, on beaches, but you know what's a more beachy? Weird word to say, but beachy, like 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 beach-like uh, word is boardwalk. And if you do the related word search using relatedwords.org, which is not a sponsor, it's a free website, so before you think it's, a, it's, a, it's totally free, very helpful in my opinion, check it out. But um, boardwalk compared to sidewalk is going to really solidify that beach, ocean, sand imagery more than sidewalk is going to. And if you do things like a related word search, you'll have a pool of words that you can look at as you're writing your lyrics and be like, oh, boardwalk. Yes, that's a word. Or, oh, the bay. Yes, let's talk about the bay because that also is, is a, a sort of ocean beach imagery. Oh, lighthouse. Forgot about those. Why don't I, why don't I use that instead of a candle for imagery? Whatever it is. So these are just different ways, different ideas of, of how we can work on sort of developing an idea before we jump right into writing. And then finally, our last tip here of just a way that we can make songwriting harder is just undervaluing how much tiny changes can add up. This is, is something that I feel uh, just as humans, we tend to do this, right? We undervalue, you know, it, how much just cutting out soda can make a difference in our diet, right? Like, oh, it's just soda. Well, you'd be surprised. Oh, it's just carbs. Um, whatever it might be, right? Or And even I, I find myself doing this, right? I, I, sometimes my wife will be like, oh, I want to go on like a short mile-long walk. And I remember thinking my first thought is always like, yeah, maybe we should just like work out for an extra five minutes instead. It will be more efficient. <laughs> like that's my thought. Like what good is a one mile walk going to do? And, you know, I don't really fully know the answer to that, but probably more than I give it credit for, right? If you go on a one mile walk every day after dinner, that probably adds up, right? Probably adds up, probably keeps you in better shape longer, helps with heart health, probably more than I give it credit for. Small things can really add up. And this is true in our songs too. And what's crazy about our songs is when, when I say, you know, cutting out soda and going on a one mile walk, you might think, well, those are, you know, really going to make very little difference, especially the walking one mile. Uh, most people, soda, soda does add up quick. Soda will make a big difference. But um, what, what is surprising, I think, about how I think we still undervalue how much tiny changes can add up in songs is... Um, our songs are so condensed, right? So one word difference in a novel is like, well, I mean, there are literally hundreds of thousands of words in a novel. 
I don't know what the average word count of a novel is. My guess is it's like a million words or something. Maybe more. I don't know. I don't, I don't even know. A ton, right? I mean, we're talking like a really short novel is 150 pages. A really long song is two, right? And it's not two full pages. It's two pages with only like a quarter of the line being taken up at best. So even though we know that songs are four minutes worth of music, give or take, and the lyrics almost definitely are less than 400 words, unless we're doing a rap, then then maybe more. But pretty much every other genre, unless you're writing an eight-minute song with like five bridges, is, is going to be sub 400 in the words department, certainly sub 500. Uh, most are going to be like 150, 250, maybe 350 words, depending on how wordy you lean. Um, and yet we still undervalue the power of one word. But one word changed in a line can upgrade the line significantly. Significantly. And there's another thing I'm not going to dive too deep into because I have really, a, I think multiple, but certainly I have one whole episode uh, where I talk about iterative lyric editing, uh, which is really diving into exactly what this looks like. Also have YouTube videos. Also, I should mention, I talked about earlier the whole learning from other artists thing. I have two videos like that coming out. So if you're not on the YouTube channel, if you're not on the email list where I let you know about all the content that's coming out, um, be sure to get on one of those email lists. You just sign up for this lyric checklist that I've already mentioned, and then you will be updated when new YouTube videos come out as as well as podcasts. I do talk about different things because <clears throat> some things are just better in video. Some things are better in long form content like this. Uh, you certainly probably would not watch a video that is this long and goes this deep into a subject, for example. But anyway, um, every seemingly small change can add up so quickly in a song because it's only four minutes. And let's say it's it's one note in the in the melody of your verse how many phrases is your verse really melodically two two repeated like four times and keep in mind second verse is the same right the, the second verse melody is almost definitely the same or basically the same as the first verse melody and oftentimes a verse melody is literally like two two phrases right it goes a b a b end of verse and then verse two is the same thing, A, B, A, B, right? Where A and B are just the only two different melodies. One note in that melody can make a huge difference. I just, just try playing any melody and change one note in that single phrase of a melody. Massive difference, huge. So just taking the time to maybe test out changing one note up in a melody, especially if it feels a little off. Or the line feels like it could have a little more, you know, just, just a little more added to it. It just feels boring. Or it feels, uh, may, may, maybe it feels too dramatic for the verse or whatever it might be. And same with a single word, right? Not to mention that at least I find editing on the micro level is not only often the most effective way to edit, it's also the easiest. There is nothing easier than the lowest level of my iterative lyric editing process. 
I literally look at a word, I double click on it, which highlights the whole word in case you didn't know, uh, and basically every tool ever. You just double click on the word and then it selects the whole thing. And then I hit control C, copy. And then I go over to my other tab, my other window on my other screen, where I have thesaurus.com open. I paste that word in there, and then thesaurus.com gives me a whole bunch of words that mean the same thing as that word, or generally the same thing as that, as, as that word. And then sometimes I think to myself, oh, that word is so much better. That word's so much more evocative, more emotional sounding, more poetic sounding. Instant upgrade. All it took was copying and pasting the word in. One word at a time. Why not? Check to see if the word can be upgraded. You know, love seemed like a good word until you had a door. Pain seemed like a good word until you found ache, which is more precise. of Exactly the type of pain you're talking about. So sometimes your second verse just doesn't need to be written, rewritten five, 50 times. Sometimes the words just need to be iteratively upgraded. Sometimes your melody isn't totally broken. Just one note needs to change. Sometimes your, your guitar riff or your piano hook is not inherently broken. It just needs a minor little change. And that little change can make a huge difference. And even if that little change doesn't make a huge difference on its own, your commitment to continuing to make small changes over time will end up having a big change. <clears throat> so... Don't undervalue how much tiny changes can add up because they absolutely can. It's kind of it's kind of like the whole 15-minute principle, right? Don't underestimate if you just force yourself to write, do songwriting five minutes or 15 minutes a day. You might say, oh, it's just five minutes. Oh, it's just 15 minutes. But if you add that up over two weeks, now all of a sudden you're several hours into songwriting when otherwise you would have been zero hours into it. So – same idea, right? <clears throat> Little things over time can make a huge difference. And specifically, if you're interested in more on iterative lyric editing and also sort of the, the brainstorm document concept, I talk about all that stuff in my six-step lyric writing checklist. So if that's interesting to you and you want to learn more of the other steps as well, go check it out, songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist. Definitely something that I think is very, very helpful for lyrics, specifically if you're interested in lyrics that pass what I like to call the frame test. Basically, frame test is just, hey, if you printed your lyrics out, put it into a frame, put it on the wall, would it pass as poetry? Because with a catchy melody and a, you know, a bass line that really makes, like, makes people tap their foot or a drum beat that's catchy, or, you know, just an emotional sounding melody, right? The music covers a lot. And how we know this is you ever experience the whole, you know, somebody loves a song. Sometimes they even can sing along with the song. And yet you then read to them, hey, did you know these are the lyrics? And they're horrified. They're like, oh, what? That's terrible. That's Or it's stupid. Right? I actually had this experience. Somebody was talking about how much they loved Hey Soul Sister the other day. If you know me at all, which if you listen to this podcast or watch the YouTube videos um, much, you probably know this about me. I, I cannot stand that song for many reasons. One is that it's super obnoxious. And another is that the lyrics are unbelievably horrendous. They're, they're just indefensibly awful. 
uh, overtly so as well. Like, like they're not like, like you don't have to be a critic at all to see like it's they're, they're overtly terrible. Like my, my heart is going to bound to beat out of my untrimmed chest. Literal line. And uh, the way you cut a rug, I'm so gangsta, I'm so thug is something like literally the way you cut a rug is not anyway, terrible, terrible lyrics. Uh, but so many people love that song and don't even realize it because it's covered up by, you know, a catchy little whatever, whatever it is people like about this song. And it's okay if you like that song. I'm not picking on you. Or I'm not trying to pick on you. But um, the reality is that our lyrics can be covered up by great melodies and great choruses and a lot of other things. But to truly care about the craft of songwriting, we we have to care about all elements of it. And the best way to have a all-time great song that really passes the test of time is to also have great lyrics. And the whole idea of the frame test is basically making sure that our lyrics are so good that they would pass as poetry on their own and would be worthy of somebody reading them as they're on the wall and they would still think, oh, that's pretty good, even without your emotional melody to add to it and that really cool guitar riff to just add that extra little emotion to the side and that emotional piano part, right? That just all just elevates your lyrics even more, which is great. We, we should want to crush it on all levels, but that doesn't mean that our lyrics shouldn't be great on their own so that every part of the song is not compensating for weaknesses in other parts of the song so much as they are all elevating each other even more so, which I think is something worth shooting for also, low-key, I'm not low-key. I talk about this all the time. Who am I kidding? Uh, in my opinion, the best way to stand out as a songwriter is lyrics. Um, and that's because most songwriters are not good lyricists. And I think I might even be understating that. Um, and I th short version, I think the reason is that most songwriters start as musicians, right? They, they, they play music. They love music. They want to write music, and then they're like, oh, I guess I have to write lyrics too. But they're not poets, right? They're musicians. They're music writers. They just realize, you know, to write songs, to write non-instrumental songs, they got to write lyrics. And then often I think people just, they're thrown in, right? Like they just don't care about lyrics enough. That's not what they were. They were not a poet first and foremost. They were a musician first and foremost, and they never learn to fancy themselves a poet or have that standard for themselves. So their lyrics continue to be not very good. Or in some cases, absolute garbage. Looking at you, Hazel Sister. And WAP. And a lot of pop songs. But um, a great way to stand out is to just have good lyrics. If you just care about lyrics at all, it's easy to stand out. You know, there are tons of great melodies out there. There are tons of super catchy bass lines and and interesting drum beats and and cool guitar parts and epic sounding guitars and and interesting piano riffs there's tons of those out there some of those more than others um and and those are all good things uh but i i, th I think probably the easiest way to to stand out is often with extra attention to detail with the lyrics. All to say, I think lyrics are important. If you think your lyrics are important too, check out the free guide, songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist. Always in the show notes. I could talk about lyrics forever. I think they're so important, but I will spare you. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. If you like this podcast, 
and it's been helpful to you, be sure to leave a kind review on on Apple Music. Ah, I caught myself. <laughs> or on Spotify or wherever you listen. If you could leave a five-star review, that helps me out. That's a great way to give back if you feel so compelled for whatever reason <laughs> that uh, to, to help me out in return. Uh, that is greatly appreciated. To all of you who have taken the time to do that, I really appreciate you for doing that. I recognize that. You know, it's it's very easy to just listen to a podcast over and over again and never uh, take the time to leave a review, right? It's five minutes out of your day, maybe, however long it is. Uh, it's not something you have to do. You're not getting anything in return for it, right? I, I recognize that. Uh, so to those of you who have taken the time, I, I really appreciate that. It helps me out. Uh, know that I see those. I appreciate those. They warm my heart. Uh, they're the type of thing that when it is late – and when I'm feeling down and when I'm feeling like, oh, man, is this like is this resonating with people? That That's the type of stuff that carries me through, makes me excited to record the next episode, helps me hit record at one o'clock in the morning, even if I had a rough work day that day. That is the stuff that helps me out. So I really appreciate all of you who have taken the time to do that it means a lot to me, it means the, the world to me, really. So I, I, I really can't express enough how much I appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you, hopefully, next week. <laughs>